This is True Parenting Audio, Episode 74. Hey everybody, I'm Andy Smithson, and this is True Parenting Audio, the podcast where parents will find inspiration and practical parenting tips that not only change kids' behavior, but build powerful cycles of continuous growth in your family through the principles of teaching, relationship, and upgrading yourself. Thanks for joining us in this journey to be a true parent. Hey everybody, welcome back to True Parenting Audio. Today we're going to be talking about seven ways that we often sabotage our own relationships. And whether or not we like it, and whether we acknowledge it or not, our relationships are always ebbing and flowing, always growing or diminishing. And sometimes the movement in our relationships are so slow, they're almost imperceptible at times. Just like small daily acts can incrementally move us towards mutual love, respect, support, and kindness, they can also take us away from those things. And this applies to our marriages, our children, our friends, and even our acquaintances. Sometimes we do things that we don't even recognize are driving away the people we love most. So here are seven little acts that sabotage our relationships. The first is giving ultimatums. Shape up or you're going to live with your dad. If you do that again, you're grounded for a month. If you don't get the dishes done in 30 minutes, you have dish duty all week long. If you move in with your mom, you're not welcome back in the house. An ultimatum is a statement of terms that demand a specific response. It's a my way or the highway statement. This kind of statement is by its very nature a relationship buster rather than a builder. When I was in college, I had a friend that wanted to be more than friends. One day, out of the blue, she offered me an ultimatum. In essence, she said, it's me or nothing. My response was not what she hoped for. We parted ways, and she contacted me several days later regretting her ultimatum, but our relationship was never the same. Ultimatums can serve as an appropriate boundary-setting tool at times, but should be used sparingly and with discretion. Ultimatums should never be used in an attempt to manipulate the other person, but rather to make a definite statement of personal boundaries. If an ultimatum is delivered, we have to be ready to accept the other person's response and keep our word. We have to be ready for the highway option. The second way that we sabotage our relationships is keeping score. Serving those we love and doing acts of kindness for and to them is so important to building strong relationships with our kids, our spouse, or anyone for that matter. However, if we keep an ongoing scoreboard and use our kindness points against our friends and family, 
Our acts of kindness have a way of canceling themselves out and destroying our relationships. I listened to a, a daughter complain. My mom is only being nice because she wants something in return. It's not genuine. Sometimes it's easy to feel like a martyr when we give with the intention of getting rather than genuine giving. It's easy to trick ourselves into feeling justified in our negative feelings and demands because after all we've done for them, they can't do this one thing. The trick to building our relationships is to focus on the privilege it is to show our love and benevolence to the special ones in our lives. Expectation of reciprocation sours the relationship and creates walls and conditions that never help. Number three is we don't set clear limits. While ultimatums can act as inappropriate, exaggerated boundaries, the other end of the spectrum can be just as dangerous. A lack of limits and boundaries can leave us vulnerable to severe and unnecessary resentment. All too often, I've heard a mother resenting that her husband doesn't help, her children expect her to do everything for them, the neighbor takes advantage of her by asking her to babysit too often, and that she's always busy because everyone asks her to volunteer at church or school. Rather than enjoying the most important relationships in her life, she resents the fact that those closest to her don't respect her unspoken limits and boundaries. We can't assume that people share our feelings and expectations or that they even recognize our unspoken offense. Healthy limits and boundary setting is not about making demands or telling others what to do, but rather about clearly declaring what we will or will not do or allow. Number four is to give the screens in our life the undivided attention they deserve. It doesn't matter whether it's my kids, my wife, or someone I'm just talking to at the grocery store. When I'm looking at my phone while they're talking to me, they feel like they play second fiddle. I'm an advocate of the value of technology, but I also rec recognize that when eye contact is diverted or our attention is split, the real human being in front of us feels like they've lost to a technological device. Think about it for a minute. I'm sure each and every one of us has felt the sentiment that we are not as important as the TV show, the video game, the text conversation, or whatever else. No one wants to feel that way. So designate a time to put down the phone, the remote, the tablet, or whatever gadget is stealing you away from the most important people in your life. Number five is to focus on how selfish they are. I'm always intrigued by the accusation of people that others are selfish. Consider the following scenario. I once had a couple come into my office for marriage counseling, and one of the primary complaints on the part of the husband was that the wife was selfish. He used an example from the previous night. They had decided to go out to eat. They were talking about where they would go to eat, and neither would offer where they really wanted to go at first. They each wanted 
the other to choose, but finally the husband said, let's go to the local steakhouse. His wife wasn't in the mood for that restaurant and offered another selection. They started arguing and neither would budge on where they wanted to go eat. So they ended up driving around, arguing for 45 minutes, and finally returned home and each made food for themselves. The next day in my office, the husband suggested that this was a perfect illustration of how selfish his wife was and how she is always thinking of herself. He said she wouldn't even budge on something so ridiculous as a restaurant. All the while, he was completely oblivious to the fact that he had acted in the exact same way of his wife. When we focus on the selfishness of others, we're declaring our own selfishness and driving a wedge of mutual selfishness between us and the other person. The sixth way that we sabotage our own relationships is to yell at them. Not only is yelling an effective way to incite the fight or flight response, but it expresses the sentiment, what I have to say is far more important than what you have to say. These are both highly effective ways to tear down any relationship. Both what we say and how we say it are important parts of communicating and solving problems. It's essential that we learn to calm ourselves and respond to conflict and problems with kindness and gentleness. Especially with the closest relationships in our lives, those of our family. Minding our tone and acting more deliberately will save us a lot of regret. If you struggle with losing your cool and yelling, check out the Quick Calm Toolkit and the True Calm Meditation series to give you an edge to build your relationship into something far greater. You can find the links to these two products, the Quick Calm Toolkit and the True Calm Meditation series at the article on trueparenting.net, Seven Ways to Sabotage our relationships. And finally, number seven on the list of how we sabotage our relationships is to focus on the other's worst traits and flaws. We've all got flaws. To destroy a perfectly good relationship in no time at all takes little more than focusing on and pointing out those flaws. When things don't go perfectly, it's easy to see why you are right and they are wrong. It's easy to recognize their poor actions while only seeing our own good intentions. Ultimately, if we focus on the negative points of our relationships, they'll get worse. And if we focus on the positive parts of our relationship, they'll get better. I'm not suggesting that we ignore everything negative, but that should not be the central focus. It's only part of the picture. When we take a more realistic whole picture view of others, our relationship with them and the problem at hand, we can take an us versus the problem approach that always beats the pessimistic you versus me approach. Little daily acts we do without thinking can slowly push away those most dear to us. But there are a million ways to grow and build a relationship. If we do small daily actions on purpose to strengthen our relationships, we'll experience 
the opposite effect. We'll stop sabotaging our relationships and we'll start building them every moment of every day. And those closest to us will feel appreciated and loved over time. It starts with something as simple as a smile, a kind note, undivided attention, spontaneous words of kindness, and genuine playfulness. So let's quit sabotaging our relationships with animosity and hurt and choose to solidify positive relationships that will stand the test of time and will overcome conflict. So that's it for today, everybody. I hope that uh, you were able to get some benefit and value from these seven points and maybe even have a little bit of honest reflection on your most important relationships. And if any of these seven points play a role in some of the things that maybe are detracting from that relationship and give you a little push to start those little small daily acts to start building that relationship stronger every single day. So thank you so much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you and have a great day.